Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Now, before we get into this week's episode, we have two announcements for the end of the month. On Tuesday, September 27th, we will be having a live watch of Season 3, Episode 9, How a Resurrection Really Feels, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And long-time One Tree Hill fans know, that's a big fucking episode, and we're not going to spoil why, (laughs) but (laughs) we are so excited to watch that episode with all of you. I know, it's a real, real good one. So please head over to our Discord, get all set up in advance so that you can participate. Yes. And we have, also have another thing coming up, Caitlin. Like, do you want to tell the people what else we have coming up on that day? <laughs> We're getting notebooked, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting notebooks. We're going to notebook you. <laughs> Everybody's here to get notebooks, and it is going to be a great time because we have an episode of Baker Soundstage on the notebook. Because watching Bevan Notebook Skills, we we started to watch this episode, and we were like, you know what? Like, we can't just like let the notebook go. We have to do a full episode on it. So we're doing a full episode for our patrons at the five dollar level. And I, and I know what you're Wait, probably saying when you hear what? that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really planned this little bit, didn't we? Um, yes, I. you heard me, right, Caitlin? I said the $5 level. Whoa. Isn't that normally reserved for the $10 level for Baker Soundstage? I thought so. Yeah, but nope. We are offering this for our patrons at the $5 level. And, Caitlin, I, I know you're probably wondering, too, like... Oh, but what about the previous two episodes, uh, John Tucker Must Die and a Cinderella Story? Were you wondering what, about that? I really was. What is happening to those episodes, Jeremy? Those will also be available for our patrons at the $5 tier. Ooh, exciting stuff. So you have a lot to catch up on if you become a $5 patron. Uh-huh. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Bye. We also have an excited episode ahead for you. Yes, we are joined by Aliza Ora, who is one of our fellow podcasters. She has a podcast called Pass the Hot Sauce, which is a Roswell rewatch podcast. And we have tons of fun and so many laughs in this episode you're about to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, Aliza is fucking hilarious. And this episode was amazing. And it was so funny for me because, like, I, I always knew, I knew Aliza in passing for, like, the past few years, but we never actually had, like, interactions or anything like that. And, and uh, Caitlin, this is your first time meeting her. Uh-huh. But, like, literally, as soon as, like, we got on the mic, it was just, like, we all instantly clicked. And she was so much fun to chill with. It's, it, it's just a great episode <laughs> in general. I know. I genuinely had a ton of fun. Even when edited it, I was, like, actually, like, cracking up at some <laughs> Same. moments. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm like, I like Elisa, so we'll definitely have Elisa back. Hopefully, hopefully Elisa likes us as much as we liked her. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> we like to think that we had, like, a good thing going there, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I think we did. 
But anyway, let's get into this episode. This week we are discussing Champagne for My Real Friends, Real Pain for My Sham Friends, which is the seventh episode of season three. This was written by the creator and showrunner, directed by Paul Johansson, and originally aired on the WB on November 16th, 2005. Always and forever is spoiler free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. The guys from the basketball team suggest to the cheerleaders that they go on dates based on their picks from the fantasy boy draft. Lucas finds out that Rachel was the one who actually picked him, and Brooke picked Chris Keller instead. Brooke tries to tell him that there was a mix-up, but Lucas doesn't want to hear it. Nathan and Haley go on a date, and Brooke reluctantly joins them with Chris Keller in tow. The four of them go for a walk on the beach, and Haley becomes upset when she sees their wedded location full of construction vehicles. They decide to head to the mall instead, and Brooke happens to see her designs in the window of suburban filth. Back at the apartment, Brooke and Chris celebrate her clothes with some drinks. And Haley takes Nathan to the roof of Karen's cafe and shares her prediction with him, and Nathan decides to write his own prediction too. Meanwhile, Bevan, notebooks, skills. Yes. <laughs> Mouth takes Peyton to see his grandpa Mel in a nursing home. Peyton suggests that they spring Mel for the night to go racing. They all have a blast, but later Mouth reveals to Peyton that Mel has Alzheimer's and has lost his memories. The teens aren't the only ones on dates. Deb and Karen decide to climb up to Dan's billboard and draw a mustache on his face. While they are in the middle of doing that, their ladder falls out of reach. I really appreciate your reading of that. Like, <laughs> I didn't write that line. There's a winky face in the middle of this recap <laughs> for listeners, just so you know. <laughs> You're welcome. The ladies use their clothes to get the ladder back and then decide to tear off the billboard before they leave in order to partially hide what they did. On Rachel and Lucas's date, Rachel challenges his idea that Brooke is the only one for him. After the date, Lucas goes to Brooke's apartment and finds her in bed with Chris Keller. Oof. Cheering to Brooks, clothes, designs, and sketches. I'm Caitlin Illinich. Making decisions based on whether I can make a shot with a basketball blindfolded. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> and notebooking all the boys. I'm Aliza Ora. How <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> So welcome, Aliza. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about what is your One Tree Hill origin story? How did you get into the show? And try to keep it spoiler free if you can. Of course I can. Um, I'm super spoiler averse, so you do not have to worry about that. Um, For me, it all comes down to one person, which is Amira, my freshman year of college roommate. We on paper were like the most different. And she's... To this day, like the best roommate I've ever had and a major One Tree Hill fangirl. Um, she, I think, had like a big poster of James Lafferty and, uh, nice. you know, before the year was up, I watched all of it. <laughs> wow. At least all of it that was out uh, then. I think the show wasn't over yet, but yeah. So it really, this show always reminds me of her and I'm certainly going to be talking to her about this uh, experience. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I love it. Hi, Amira. Um, and I'm just, I mean, I, in general, like, 
teen shows from this era and the 90s are like my bread and butter. Um, you know, Buffy, I have a Ro- uh, I have a Roswell podcast. Um, just, yeah, so many teen shows. I love them all. Hell yes. More Buffy representation here. Always. <laughs> of just course. To, just to make Caitlin Sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm on the struggle bus still, but I, yeah, I'm just going to stop talking. She just started talking. season two, Elisa. <laughs> t- tell her a little bit more about how she just needs to get past. Oh, season like, two is when it starts getting good. It starts getting, like, Buffy, what Buffy's all about. But only, like, halfway through or so. Surprise. I say surprise mm-hmm. is the turning point. Mm-hmm. Like, I say that's the moment where, yep. like, if you don't like that episode, give up. Yeah, if you're not invested by then, then, like, you have no soul. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Aliza, that is... <laughs> I didn't even mean to. Kayla <laughs> doesn't even realize, like, why that's so funny what she just said. And I, I just, I'm really applauding you for that. Caitlin, you're going to listen back to this episode later after you get to that episode and you are going to crack up you're at gonna, this. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, boy. Anyhow. Um, so, anyway, so back to One Tree Hill. Yeah. As much as I love to turn this into a Buffy podcast. Um, so, which, uh, so, so do you remember, like, what season you started watching it? Or, like, or like, like what season is air- aired at that point? Oh, I do not know. What it year was, was this? Two thousand eight. We could tell you. <laughs> Two thousand eight. That was uh, season season six, which just began. In. Yeah. So, um, you know, I obviously started at season one, episode one, because I would never oh, yeah. start any TV show anywhere it's, it's else. You know. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and yeah, I just like fell in love. And for me, like, it's all about relationships. And part of the reason that I like TV more than movies is because of the way that characters can be developed and relationships can be developed more. There's just more time for it. Um, and this show just does characters and relationships so well. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. That's why I like TV and I connect with TV more than movies. Yeah, Because you get more time to just fall in love with the characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, movies are more about like the plot and the writing. And that's not to say that both, you know, mediums don't have aspects of both, but you know what I mean. Yeah, right, exactly. And we have a burning question. <laughs> I beat Jeremy to it, I'm sure. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I was literally just about to ask. Are you team Brucus or Layton? Are you team Jeremy or team Caitlin is the question. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I, I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. that's the first I don't know. Is that, that we've weird? Gotten? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I think like I feel like I have to say Layton only because I generally am a sucker for like original pairings on shows. Mm-hmm. So okay. like, I hear you. I hear you, Angel, and like I don't want to give away other shows, but. Other teen shows, it's like the original pairings are usually the ones that, that I'm like, but I, I want them to get back together kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, okay. But I'm, I think I'm just a little confused because I watched this episode twice today and was like totally rooting for Brooke and Lucas. <laughs> Same. But I think, yeah, if I had to pick one, it's it's Leighton. Okay. Okay. Great. I have someone on my team. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. Oh, jeez. It's all, it's all good. I mean, if, I, if it makes anybody feel better... Um, with my current watch of season three, I'm finding my views are changing a little bit. Yeah, and that's okay. So, 
I, so I feel like, Caitlin, I feel like this isn't going to be like a divisive question we're going to have with guests moving forward because I feel like it'll be like, I'll be like, okay, you like, you like, uh, late and cool. That's cool. Just like I am right now. Wow, what a big person. <laughs> you That's know what? nice can, of you. <laughs> I can grow and I can evolve, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch the rest of the season and hear your thoughts. Like, this is really going to be interesting. I'm assuming, though, that they still reserve the right to have very strong opinions. Right, Jeremy? Yes, probably. I, I'll i probably still fight, like, yeah. Brooke and Lucas, like, tooth and nail, because <laughs> I, it's part of my brand at this point, and I gotta, like, give the people what they want. <laughs> yes. But no, your brand but, is Debro forever. Yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be talking about Debro in this episode. If Debro you know taking oh, their clothes off. Debro is <laughs> on fire in this episode. <laughs> yes. It's a great episode for them. Uh, but first up, let's talk about the song this episode is titled after. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends, my freak out boy, or fallout boy, <laughs> fallout boy, whatever the band's name is. So, what's it everybody think? So, I'm just gonna preface with, I love this album <laughs> that the song's from, from Under the Cork Tree, and I love this song. I just don't know how the lyrics fully relate to the episode. I don't even really know how the title necessarily relates to the episode. So I want to hear your thoughts. Other than the champagne aspects, I feel like with the title, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Chris and Brooke are, I don't think they're drinking champagne. Or they maybe, I'm not sure. But yeah, they might I be. Think, well, I don't know what they were drinking, actually. They were certainly drinking something. But anyway, what did you think, Aliza? Um, well, I agree that like the song title seems to have nothing to do with the episode, but it's a good title. And I also agree, Caitlin, that I don't think it fully relates to anything that's going on, but I think it partially relates to everything in that I kind of, when I was looking through the lyrics, it seemed to me kind of, I got like a horoscope vibe. You know how horoscopes can be like just generic enough that anyone reading it can be like, oh my god, yes, this applies to me. You will breathe tonight. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, you are me, sad yes. about something. But also, something good might happen. <laughs> you know? I, love I it. felt like it was, there were certain parts of the song that I was like, oh, this totally, like, if Haley were reading this, she would be like, this is about me, you know, about me and Nathan. Mm -hmm. And if Peyton were reading it, she'd be like, this is about Ellie. And like, just all the different people I think could find something that related to their current situation in the lyrics. But other than that, that's all I got. I feel like that's any of the songs we could, we should, we should probably like read like these song lyrics, like horoscopes now. I feel like that's like a really good way to put it. And that's (laughs) songs in general. I mean, like often I feel like people hear what they want to hear in song lyrics based on kind of where their mind is. That's the truth, actually. You can always, I feel like I always listen to songs and I try to apply it to my life in some way, shape, or form. I agree. And even if the lyrics don't fit like my mood or emotion or what I'm feeling, like the vibe of the song, the melody of the song can play into that too. Totally. I think. And the one line that I do want to point out from the song that I feel like kind of connects to the episode is in the chorus, at least everyone is trying, everyone is shining, everyone deserves the flames, but it's such a shame, such a shame. I was going to point out that lyric, so, but you'll probably say it in a more intelligent way, please (laughs) talk. (laughs) So basically how I view that is like everyone like deserves 
success. We can think about like Brooke and the clothes. Everyone deserves like good things, good relationships, but they don't always get it. And it's such a shame. And once again, Nathan and Haley, I I feel like we could kind of project (laughs) how Haley's feeling. Like she wants this relationship. She's trying to mend things with Nathan, but it's not. I mean, she's definitely making progress in this episode, but it's not exactly where she wants to be, at least early on in the episode. What were you thinking, Jeremy? You literally took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. Um, Whoa. <laughs> I was literally going to say the exact same thing about like, oh, like everybody deserves like happiness, a happy relationship, but you don't yeah. always get it. So cool. You you summed it up right there. Um, it's, I guess we can move on. Yeah. Can <laughs> I just say one thing? Yeah, about sure. that also is like, I feel like that line even applies to some of the like fringe characters like Tim and Rachel and like, that they deserve, you know, Tim deserves to be chosen and wasn't. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about Rachel. I have a lot of thoughts. Yes, same. I like her in this episode a lot. So the episode begins with a very interesting uh, dream sequence. <laughs> it gets kicked off. Uh, Brooke and Lucas are in bed together. Lucas says, morning, baby. JK, it's just a dream. It's Lucas dreaming. And then he wakes up. Chris puts his arm around him saying, morning, baby. Just kidding, it's just a dream. It's Haley dreaming. <laughs> and then Haley gets in bed with Brooke, and she's like, I just had a dream that Chris and Lucas are in bed together. And then Brooke's like, oh, so weird. Uh, Want to make out? <laughs> and then Haley's like, okay, sure. And then, just kidding, that's a dream. It's Nathan, who dreamed about all of these things, which I find really weird. Why is Nathan dreaming about his brother in bed with both his girlfriend and his mortal enemy? I don't know. Is it supposed to mean that, like, is Nathan really dreaming about all three? Or is it just, like, here's one person's dream, and then this was the next person's dream, and then this is the other person? Like, it's... The exact question that I wrote down. It's very confusing. (laughs) But if you go by that way, then you'd you'd say that, like, Lucas actually did wake up in bed with Chris. Right, because if he's waking up out of that dream, or it's showing us a snippet of Lucas's dream, and then the second Lucas wakes up out of that dream... Really, it's not Lucas awake. Really, suddenly okay. we're in Haley's dream. Okay, it's yeah. just confusing. It is really, really confusing. And why did they gay. do it like that? It's confusing and gay, and I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name of our podcast: Confusing and Gay. <laughs> Also, like, what is the, I mean, aside from the gay stuff, I always like the gay representation, but like, what is the purpose of this sequence exactly? (laughs) Like, is it supposed to be foreshadowing? Is it supposed to mean something? Like, I've never understood the inclusion of this scene. I guess it's to show, like, how everyone has these dates on their mind. Like, they have the fantasy boy draft on their mind, basically, and all the different pairings. That's how I see it. And just fantasies in general. Yeah, yeah. I think it highlights like fantasy and does kind of set a tone for the way the episode kind of like hops from this person to that person to this person. Like constantly we're going from date to date to billboard to date to date to date. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also a date. Date, 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 date. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so this kind of, it starts it off by being like, we're hopping around, seeing other people, like everybody's desires and fantasies. In a way, it kind of sets the tone, like this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, but definitely not necessary. 
I mean, it is, but also <laughs> isn't. So the episode gets kicked off with the girls asking the guys on dates. Tim comes forward and says, like, okay, like, we're all gonna go out on dates. All of you pay, talking to the girls. And the irony is that Tim is not actually chosen for any date, which I feel like Tim's inclusion in this episode is kind of weird because why didn't he get any screen time aside from this? It's like they're kind of like making fun of him, like the writers are making fun of him in a way. They are. And it made me think when he's sitting on that bench with Mouth. Jeremy, did you think this too? How when remember um, Brett was on the Drama Queens podcast and he was talking about how how Lee Norris was, like, treated as, like, not one of the main cast, but he was, like, treated better than Brett was. Oh, I don't remember that, You don't remember that? No. Okay, refresh everyone's memory, please. Well, that's basically what it was. Like, Lee got better treatment, more screen time, and I feel like Brett wasn't respected by the writers. Mm. Remember, he got nothing with depth, and he said that on the podcast, too. Yeah, that part I do remember. None of his stories had depth at all and he didn't feel like he was really he was on the outside of like the circle i guess of cast right. cast members like i almost wonder if this episode could have been more interesting for tim if we got to see him like you know sneak into some of these dates like what if we saw yeah. him in like the backgrounds or doing something at the very least granted the episode has a lot going on anyway so i don't know if there would be room for it but can you imagine if tim and chris keller were paired together <laughs> <laughs> oh god those those two would be so cute to get. i i ship this honestly <laughs> Please. yeah that would have be been cute. fun if he like tagged along on yeah. the mall date <laughs> Oh, yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of sad that they're definitely they're definitely starting to sideline him this season. You can see that. Yeah. So Haley asks out Nathan. Payne asks out Mouth, and it turns out Mouth already has plans, and you know it's going to be very uncool. But Payne is totally cool with uncool, and I love that for her. And not only that, we also see the whole interaction with Brooke and Lucas and. And Rachel, Lucas said to find it out, like, oh, Brooke, you didn't choose me. Okay, well, at least somebody wanted me. And that's really sad. It's. I feel like this, one thing that I noted about this scene was, like, how competitive Rachel and Brooke are. That, like, the only reason that Rachel is with Lucas for this is because Brooke was so competitive that she decided it would be better to take Rachel's person rather than choose who she actually wanted. And Rachel yeah. is, like, going after this guy who doesn't want her just because she's competitive. Ugh. I know. It's really you kind know? of tragic, <laughs> actually. Ugh, it's, like, hard to watch. <laughs> you make me feel real... Like, I-, I love Rachel as a character. Don't get me wrong. I always have. But <laughs> the way you're, like, positioned her, Elisa, it's just <laughs> very interesting to me. I'm like, oh, this is sad, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm, like... <laughs> Maybe I'm caring about Rachel too much. Well, you should, because she deserves all the respect in the world. She is wonderful. Yeah, she's she doesn't get much love. No, but remember, in this episode, she actually says to Lucas, why don't we trade? Why don't we go to Brooke's apartment and trade? Mm-hmm. So was she saying that, like, genuinely? Or did she know that basically it was going to end like it did with Brooke going thought- on a date with Chris? That's what I thought. I thought she was doing it on, on purpose to set up, like, him catching Brooke and yeah. Chris together. Chris. 
I was kind of giving her the benefit of the doubt. I think she, I think Rachel's just the type of person who just goes with the flow. Mm. She was like, okay, like, you know, um, we'll officially do the trade. And then she just happens to show up at the exact wrong moment, seeing, like, you know, Chris and Brooke, like, go off together. And that's when she decides, okay, so uh, what do you want to do now, Lucas? This is up to you. Like, I'm giving you free reign here. Yeah. Because she never actually did want Chris Keller, right? She just told Bevan that. She did, yes. Okay. That's- Although I'm pretty sure, like, like if she had a, a if she had the chance to like, sleep with Chris Keller, I'm pretty sure she would have. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think she's just the type of person who just goes with the flow. But then again, maybe I'm giving her way too much credit. Maybe I just want to see the best in Rachel. To be honest, I, I like Rachel's role in this episode. It kind of surprised me. Like, I agree. Her initial intentions were not good. She chose Lucas to piss off Brooke. And now it's like this competition thing. But I I like how in the episode, are we actually, first off, are we fully getting into them? Because I know we're a little out of order. I was going to say, do you want to just like skip ahead? That's not to like (laughs) further down the list, but we can talk about Rachel and Lucas's date. Why don't we? This is something I do a lot. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. It's organic. Okay. I really like how Rachel challenges Lucas in this episode to think about like what the one quote unquote really means mm. and is there really just one person on this earth that's right for you the answer i think is no <laughs> there could be multiple people who are right for you right. pretty i mean this planet is too big so like that the answer is clear but like lucas he's so fixated on brooke being the one for him which is in a way it's kind of sweet that he really cares for brooke yeah. Right. Don't get me wrong. He made that winning shot, though. I know. Blindfolded. I know. <laughs> it is a sign. It was destiny. Okay? <laughs> he's a basketball player. <laughs> Come on. He's like on the court he's been playing on every day of his entire life. Yes. <laughs> he could do that blindfolded literally probably at any point on that court. But I like the but point. But it is destiny. It's a sign, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eliza, go on. No, that's good. I, I do like the point you're making, though, Caitlin, about Rachel's role here. And she even goes so far as to say something, like, totally wise of, like, or maybe because you're in high school, you haven't actually met your person yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, kind of taking things into perspective. She's ahead of her time. Yeah. Anyways. She really, like, seems older in this moment and more mature than the other characters because she has valid points that I feel like teenagers don't fully grasp. Yeah. And Lucas, for sure, is not grasping it. No. So I, I right. like, yeah, I just like how she really got him to think, even though he really wasn't listening fully to what she was saying, I think. No, he wasn't. But she posed interesting questions for the audience, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other part, the other uh, interesting thing she posed was when Lucas initially turns her down when she's topless on the river court, and then uh, asks her to get dressed. She says, "You guys are unbelievable. We don't give it up. You pressure us. We do give it up. Now we have self-image problems, or we're sluts." Yeah. And that was an interesting point to bring up as well. Um, and then it was followed by a homophobic remark. Uh-huh. You know, at my last school, we had names for guys like you, Luke. Gay. I know. There she just ruined it. Like, honestly, she said what she said before that was, like, perfect. Because it's yeah, so true. Right. <laughs> There's such a... We can just cut it off here. You know? I know. I know. Why did she have to go and ruin it? Or why did the writers have to go and ruin it? Right. Right. To be fair, it was the writers. 
Yeah, there's a lot of like little casual homophobic remarks, like in the scene that we're actually that we've actually gotten to uh, in yeah. school when they all decide to go on the dates and and when she says uh, Brooke says to Tim something about like it being fantasy boy draft, you know, like like the fantasies you have about Nathan. Right. There are all these just like small, like casual homophobic jokes throughout, which sucks. But I do want to say about Rachel and that thing she, you know, that whole trope that she brought up, which is so pervasive of, you know, if we don't give it up, it's a problem. If we do give it up, it's a problem. The only issue that I have with her saying it when she did is that she just exposed herself to someone who said no to strip basketball. Mm, She said, how about strip basketball? He said, I'll pass. And then she took her clothes off while his eyes were covered. So it's like, you know, problematic in its own right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a really good point. But that's not to say that what she said isn't true. Right. Absolutely. Wow. And just think about that. Like the writers, they wrote that great dialogue and then they wrote in her taking her clothes off. Like (laughs) just at the same time. Uh Why? Why? Like, she is forcing herself on him in many ways here. But we can also say that about both Brooke and Rachel previously in the backseat of the car. Oh, yeah. Which is almost, I don't even know if that's worse. I think it probably might be, but (laughs) it's all the same, I guess. I kind of, I kind of love it. (laughs) I mean, we've expressed, yeah. They're iconic scenes. I like the, like, sexual freedom of the girls on this show. Yeah. And that, that has something to be said about it. You yeah. know, that, like, Brooke is this, like, together, successful, smart, like, awesome girl who also has, like, a healthy sex drive and, like, is confident. Good for her. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That is really great in many ways. It's just the whole idea about her just getting naked in the backseat yeah. of somebody's car, like, without consent. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. No. It's like, this is not something you should do. And I feel like, you know, Definitely the way uh, the way writers position it, it's like, oh, it's a girl. And I feel like, uh, to go back to what you were saying, Elisa, about, like, uh, Rachel stripping on the basketball course, I feel like this uh, show really lends to the idea that, like, oh, like, there's a naked girl in front of this guy. The guy should always want it. Yes. And I feel like that's, like, the show is spreading that harmful message. Right, that, like, consent is always implied for a guy. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Which, of course, is not true. If it was the reverse, it would be creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If the guy was just naked on the, yeah. Yeah, and I was about to get the spoiler territory with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already thinking that. <laughs> we can talk about that in the spoiler. I think we talked about it before, Caitlin, but we can talk about it with Elisa during the spoiler yeah, segment. Yeah. <laughs> Later on. Don't worry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but shall we move on to talking about some of the other dates, like uh, Peyton and Mouth? I really yeah. liked this date. It kind of comes yes. out of nowhere, though. Yeah. It is such a random storyline. With a character, um, Mel, played by Tom Bosley, who was best known as Howard Cunningham on Happy Days, mm-hmm. BTW. Yes. Um, so, Caitlin, you watch Happy Days, right? Like, did you... I'd never seen Happy Days, <gasps> so, like, when you saw this episode... 
And I guess you have too, Aliza. Okay, yeah. so both of you then. Like, when you saw, like, uh, this actor, were you, I had like, to look him up. Excited. To be like, wait, oh, okay. I know this face. Like, how do I know him? And then it was like, oh, 255 episodes of Happy Days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've always known who that was. Yeah. So when you first saw this episode, did you have, like, that freak out moment where you're like, oh my god, it's him. Yeah, because you wouldn't have expected that actor to be in the show. I just never would have expected that. I mean, granted, I saw this, like, probably a few years, a year or two after it had originally aired. Right. But as a kid, I would watch Happy Days all the time, reruns. So, yeah, it was interesting to see to see that actor <laughs> on this little, <laughs> nice. little show, you know? Oh, it was cute. Um, it's a shame, though, that this is his last episode of the series. Mm-hmm. He gets brought in for one episode, and I feel like this arc could have actually been very interesting if they pursued it. Um, They decided to take mouth in different directions for the season, but I feel like it would have been really cool if they really, like, dived into this character. And I feel like this is why I agree with what the drama queens were saying about this episode. They said it felt like a spec script in many ways. Felt like, felt like what? A spec script. What's that? Should I? Okay, I'll give a history lesson about spec strips. I love doing this. Stuff. <laughs> anyway, so back in the day, and when I say back in the day, this could be like the early 2000s, like up to like maybe 2010 or something like that. It was like pretty recently, honestly. TV writers, in order to like break into like writing for TV, what they would do is they would submit a script for an episode of any show. So like, let's say if like, a, ugh, I'm trying to think of like a, an example right now like let's say if you wanted like you wanted a job for euphoria you could like uh, submit a spec script for one tree hill just write a random episode of one tree hill like your own original creation and it just shows like uh the writer's rooms that you can like adapt to different voices for different tv shows mm. and it just shows like writer's rooms like hey look at me i have this script for this tv show see i can write for tv i can work for your room okay However, nowadays, uh, writers' rooms are asking for original projects as opposed to spec scripts. But some writers' rooms are trying to go back to the idea of spec scripts because uh, basically, like, writers will break into, like, a room and they can't, like, adapt their voices to, they can't adapt the voices to, like, that show. I would say a spec script would be more helpful than just your original idea because it just shows that, like, you can take the tone of a show and translate that into you know, a script, a story. Yeah. And that's why many people are trying to, like, fight to, like, bring them back. Because, like, writers will try to, like, enter, like, a a writer's room and they can't adapt to, like, this new voice for, like, this other show because they didn't have experiences adapted to other voices. So, anyway, specs, to bring that back around, uh, spec scripts are usually very, they're very one-off storylines in many ways. Mm -hmm. I've read a few spec scripts. I've seen presentations of different spec scripts. They're usually, like, a one-off episode. Like, there's, like, the... Storylines are very inconsequential, and I feel like there are some aspects, at least of this episode, that are inconsequential. One of them being this one. This whole storyline, yeah. Yeah, like, you could take it out of the show, and nothing would really be impacted by Yes. By it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if their original intention was to continue the storyline. It could have yeah. really been interesting and brought a lot of depth to the show with, like, a family-related storyline. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of thinking about like, so what was the purpose of this? And the only thing that I can think of is like the impact that it has on Peyton, 
yes. their conversation yeah. at the end about right. about Same. like whether it's better to forget all of your bad memories and the things you regret at the cost of forgetting the good memories too, or if it's better to keep the regrets and also the good memories. I had the same thoughts. Yeah, I think it yeah. makes her... She's thinking about, like, Ellie. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it does do a good job, I guess, in a way to push Peyton forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least to get her thinking, like, put it in her... Plant the seed in her mind, so that... Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think that is the whole purpose of it. Um, It could have definitely been extended into more stories, I think, but, yeah... Really, it was like a vehicle to show, to get Peyton to think. But especially, like, they had that last scene between uh, Mouth and Mel, where he's like, I love you. And then Mel is like, you know, someday you're going to have a, a boy of your own. Make sure he's a good man. Yeah. And I feel like they were building something right there. Mm-hmm. And they just never do anything yeah. with it. It's kind of sad. I know, because it was like, it's such a deep story. It has the potential to be such a deep story, you know? Yeah. Like, why bring Alzheimer's into it? Like, why why make us all sad like that? I know. For no reason. <laughs> and then we're just never going to see him again? What's the point? It's probably because, like, well, connections to the notebook. Yeah. Oh. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yes. Wait, what about the notebook? Because the Alzheimer's storyline like in the notebook. Oh, yeah. true, true. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Which, that would have been a good segue to the next day, but I do have one more thing to say about Mouth and Peyton. Okay. Um, I just want everybody, listeners, Caitlin, Aliza, put this in your vampire diaries. Um, <laughs> Peyton and Mouth are alone for a second. Peyton says, I bet you're going to have it all someday. And then Mouth says, yeah, I'm thinking of running for senator. And then Peyton gives him this look like, what? And then Mouth says, I got the idea from Brooke, sort of. Just put that in the back of your brain. Okay. So he knows this. So we as the audience know he knows that from the time capsule mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. saw in season two when he was with Anna and they were deleting that tape. Mm-hmm. So I'm just put that in your vampire diaries and uh, we shall move on to talking about Bevan notebook and skill. <laughs> <laughs> this is adorable. <laughs> it is so fucking cute. I will say, like, at the beginning of the episode, when Skills first enters uh, Bevan's place, I was like, why is, why is Skills being such, like, a... I don't want to go as far as to call him a misogynist, but how he's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll watch you, and then you can watch whatever that's called. Yeah. And I thought that was, like, come on, like, Skills, like, you know, Skills being on the day, I, I know he's a better guy than that. I know he would treat Bevan better. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, like, bad writing at first, until we get to the end, after Skills has seen the notebook, and then he's like, oh, can we cuddle first? And I'm like, this, this is the real Skills right here. And and I kind of like, okay, Skills went on a journey in this episode. <laughs> I don't know if they were intending that, but I liked it in that regard, because I feel like maybe he felt pressured to be, like, this really, like, creepy misogynist on a date. Right. Until he realized, like, you know what, I can be myself, I can be sensitive, like, I really am in real life. And she's the one being like, do you want to make out? <laughs> yes. He's like, hold on, I, I, I need to see what happens. I'm watching. <laughs> the, the way he's like, he's building out a house and she, he doesn't even know she's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you write them letters, dog. <laughs> but also the way that the other boys make it seem like this is also something that's happened to them. Like she notebooked you. <laughs> Does notebook mean like... 
Does this mean that they all had the experience of like (laughs) being like, I'm going to make out with this girl tonight and then like crying about like, you know, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling? (laughs) Is that what that means? (laughs) I feel like because this movie was so big at the time, like it was and it's known to be like this really like emotional love story. So maybe that's why. And the funny thing is like Junk being like, oh, she notebooks you. And I'm like, Chunk, you were in the fucking notebook, so don't you dare say a word. Oh, my God. Elisa has a shock look on her face. <gasps> what part did he play? Yeah. He's at one of the dinner party scenes. And I can't name the scene exactly. Oh, my God. I don't know so Because right. I recently rewatched it, and I forgot to re- look closely for him, and I didn't, I didn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, Caitlin, I know you know this. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Eliza, but Paul Johansson is also in The Notebook as well. Oh, he is? Yeah. So he doesn't have any speaking lines whatsoever, but he is the guy that uh, Rachel McAdams' uh, mother used to be in love with. Do you remember, like, she takes her to a construction site oh, and be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that man used to be the love of my life. <laughs> That's Paul Johansson But right I, like, there. made the right choice and yeah, stuck yeah, yeah. within my class. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't know so, that. It's kind of weird to think about like them watching the Notebook, and I'm like, Chunk and Dan, are they watching the Notebook, thinking like, oh, that person looks just like me? <laughs> <laughs> when Junk got Notebooked, he's like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I think about a lot, though. Actually, it's like if it, like in a, in a Reese Witherspoon movie, does she exist in a universe where all Reese Witherspoon movies exist? Right. You know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I never I have thought about de- this I've before. I've definitely thought about that before. Or Legally Blonde, did she, like, does she know Cruel Intentions existed? You know, like... I, and I can't imagine, I like, Elle Woods not knowing Cruel Intentions. Y- yeah. <laughs> but I wonder, does Elle Woods, like, watch Cruel Intentions and be like, oh, wow, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> wow. Kind of funny. And I did, I, I decided to, like, look a little bit, uh... You see the end credits, like, when Skills and Bevan are, like, watching it. And I tried to look at the credits. I tried to see if Colin Moss and Paul Johansson's <laughs> name were on there. They're, they're not. It cuts away before we can see them. But I thought that would have been really funny if <laughs> they went there. That would. <laughs> you would look at the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I always look at those little details. I usually um, do, too. If I had known, I also would have probably, like, paused it and rewound it. <laughs> Thank you, Aliza. <laughs> See, other people do it, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, there are certain things, like, in this episode that were, like, inconsistencies that I was, like, because we're not going scene by scene, I don't know if I'll get a chance to bring it up, but Go I on. will say it now. Like, when Haley uh, convinces Brooke, she's like, no, Brooke, like, this is my one chance to go on a date with Nathan. Like, you have to come out, too. And clearly, <laughs> yeah. Brooke, like, gets ready in, like, a second, and then they're hopping in the car. <laughs> yes. Brooke's hair is straight. It had just been up in a ponytail. There is no crease. (laughs) You're so right. Just saying. Anyone with long hair knows. Yes, yes. I think, like, Brooke is just a natural beauty that she can just, like, get her hair to be perfect instantly. You know? (laughs) She just has talents. Okay. It's true. If anyone could go from hair up to hair down with no crease, it would be our queen, Brooke Davis. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. And speaking of queens, <laughs> oh. let's get to Jeremy's favorite. 
Demro. Demro. <laughs> one of the other iconic dates in this episode. They're just they're just fucking adorable. They are. And I'm not gonna act like they're not. <laughs> I love them on screen together. I really do. I love how, like, when they actually get to the top of the billboard, and, like, you know, Karen says, like, no, 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 you were gonna do this, Deb. And then Deb starts doing it. She types in, like, is an ass <laughs> on Dan's billboard. And then the two of them get so excited. And then Deb's like, okay, you do the mustache. And then Karen's like, okay, okay, now I'll do it. I'll join it. They're, like, giddy and, like, giggling and jumping <laughs> up and down. It's adorable. I mean, Dan is, like, the biggest thing that they have in common, you know? <laughs> Their hate for Dan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that hate is strong enough to bring any two people together. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Romantically. Mm-hmm. So another thing, in addition to the hair thing that I paused yes. and went back and I was like, wait a second, is where this bird comes from that causes the ladder to be knocked <sighs> away. I wonder the still. It came, like, from Karen's clothes like it it's if you look above and below like it didn't come it came from like them (laughs) i watched it so many times (laughs) did like was moira kelly maybe instructed to like okay you have to secretly hold a bird and then it has to like fly away and you just have to let it go on three (laughs) absolutely that is where the bird came from it came from moira kelly's like hands Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, go I, back see, and watch I, missed, it. I, I did the same thing though. I tried to like rewind it back <laughs> and try to find like where it came from and I'm like, oh, I can't figure it out, but it looks like you did. <laughs> they came from Moira Kelly's hands. Yeah, so when it I was watching to. it, I'm like, this is so abrupt. Like, what was that? <laughs> you know, like you almost don't even know what it is that caused yeah. the ladder to fall. So anyway, the the, the bird that you know that came from Karen, Karen's pet bird apparently, <laughs> flew away, and that's what caused the ladder to fall down. And then that's what Deb instructs Karen to take off her clothes. <laughs> Hot. I love the friendship between them and that, like, even when they're, like, angry, it- it's not really, like, tension, you know? It's mm-hmm. like they can be, like, kind of, like, yelling at each other and then, like, laughing about it a second later. Yes. Like, they've just <laughs> got-, got such a good, such good chemistry. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, that sounds like our dynamic, Caitlin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get mad and be like, but we still love each other. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I feel like that just shows the show with, like, uh, strong friendships as well. I feel like yeah. we even saw that with, uh, like, Aliza, you were talking about that scene between Brooke and Haley earlier, where she's like, uh, like you better go on this date with yeah. Chris Keller so I can go on this date with Nathan. Like, you can tell there was still, like, love there, even though, like, you know, there was a little bit of tension. Which, He's another friendship that I'm loving. It's gonna be yours. Affected <laughs> sore, yes. I know, sweet Haley, like, threatening. I know. I love yes. that, that friendship, though. This, like, Haley and Brooke friendship that's developing with them living together. Yes. You know, it's like, for the longest time, she didn't even call her by her name. She was just Tudor girl. She was Tudor girl for the longest time, yeah. And this relationship has definitely grown. Yeah, I love their friendship, yeah. too. I think it's very underrated. Like, you know, people love Brooke and Peyton, and Brooke and Peyton are great, don't get me wrong, but I have a soft spot for Brooke and Haley, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a different dynamic. And then all three of them together is a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Um, But I really like that, like, uh, Zeb and Karen also get into some sweet moments, too, where Zeb tells Karen that she's just afraid to be alone. 
by like officially when she officially leaves Dan. And then that's when Karen tells her, like, you know what? You're actually very strong. And I just love seeing these two together like that. I know. That's a sweet moment. Like, I feel like they they have this connection. And I'm not talking about the connection that you wanted to be, Jeremy. <laughs> but, but you <laughs> but, are. You, you are. But I am. <laughs> gone. They, they really do, though. Like, they have a deep friendship. And I think it all comes from, like, what they've experienced with Dan. Mm-hmm. But it's also more than that, too. Well, and I think mm-hmm. also each one of them can look at the other one and think, that's where I maybe could have ended up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, like, Karen, like, I- I'm sure sees Deb and is like, this is maybe what my life would have looked like had Dan not left me. And Deb, you know, other way around. Yeah. And Deb could be looking at Karen and be like, you know what? Like, you seem better off. Right. And... Yeah, so they definitely have, like, the sort of... They envy each other mm-hmm. in different ways. Never really thought about that, but that's definitely the truth. Yeah, it's true, because, like, Deb got the family that Karen didn't get. But at the same time, Karen wouldn't even have wanted that, because look where Deb has ended up. Yeah, Deb's stuck with him. Getting divorced, unhappy. I mean, dance he's verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. But they end up getting out of this predicament by taking their clothes off <laughs> and making a little rope thing. Pretty brilliant, if you ask me. <laughs> I know. Yes. It is. I would have been terrified doing something like that because I feel like I would have like lost a shoe or something. Like the entire time looking at that scene, I'm like, oh no, that shoe is gonna fall. Like, what is gonna happen? And it doesn't, thankfully. I also felt nerves when they were like, Oh well, we won't yell for help, so let's just sit on the edge. <laughs> of this very high up thing and just chat. I know, there right? Were legs dangling off the edge. And they just said, there's no help for Miles. No one will hear us scream. <laughs> and it was convenient that the ladder actually was like propped up on the tree. Yeah. And it didn't just like completely yeah. fall down. Yeah, it just happened to be just a couple feet away. Uh huh. Yeah. Just, you know, let's just all make this, like, a vow to ourselves. If we ever want to, like, tear down a politician and write a mustache on a billboard, we all have to keep our phones in our pockets. Yes. Thank you, Jeremy. Or at the very least have somebody down (laughs) at the ground to hold the ladder. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. For sure. I'll keep that in mind for next time. It's just so funny to think about, like, you know, this era, like, the mid-2000s, like, when people just, like, didn't have their cell phones in their pockets at all points in time. Yep. Like, you could, like, leaving your cell phone in the car would be a good idea, because it's like, whatever, let's just keep it there. I know. Nowadays, right. it's like, I'm glued. Or you just leave the house without your cell phone. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and now a lot of people have, like, smartwatches that they could be like, oh, I don't have my phone, maybe I can make a call from my watch. True, uh, sure, <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so, this episode could not be made today, is what we are saying. But anyway, Karen decides not to sink to Dan's level, and they end up ripping off a part of the billboard, and it reveals a different message that's probably worse than Dan Scott is an ass. <laughs> yes, <laughs> worse, but so much better. <laughs> we'll reveal what that is when we get to the coda, but I just find this, like, I find this arc to be so funny, though, because, like, were they supposed to learn something from this, or, like, I don't I don't really know. I don't really get it because, like, there's Dan with the mustache still on the billboard. Right. Yes. And all they did was they still destroyed the billboard. So, really, what were they doing that was better? They should just left what they did and gone. 
Because also, too, like, the there is an ass part. Dan Scott is an ass. Like, if you were driving by, would you really see no. is an ass? It was such thin letters. Yeah. You would not have seen that. No, erectile dysfunction is much more legible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dan Scott for erectile dysfunction. We love to say it. It's (laughs) brilliant. But let's talk about the the big dates between Brooke and Chris and Haley and Nathan, because it starts off as a double date, and we have to talk about them in chunks. Yeah, so basically, Haley wants to go on a date with Nathan, and then Brooke's like, I'm not going out with Chris Keller. (laughs) As she's walking to the door, I don't even remember what she says exactly, (laughs) but it just ends with her opening the door, saying Chris Keller, and Chris Keller is at the door. (laughs) What she is saying is, I would rather tongue kiss pus-infected sores (laughs) than go out on a date with Chris and then open Keller. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> and then Chris is at the door, and then Brooke shouts into the other room. She says, Haley, your boyfriends are here. Yeah, I like that. Because <laughs> Nathan ends up showing up. And Chris starts, like, he just starts the whole thing off by being disgusting. Like, oh, already dressed for bed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jeez. He's the worst. He's terrible. So sleazy. Oh, this interaction, like, uh, Caitlin, in in our last episode, I said, I think it was our last episode, um, where I said I'd be looking for this moment. But in in the episode for Drama Queens, where they talked about this episode, there's like a moment where Sophia has like a little smirk on her face because she's like laughing at Tyler Hilton because, you know, Tyler Hilton's a funny guy. I was trying to find this too, which part I couldn't figure out was it when she was at the door? Yeah, it's when she's at the door and like Haley is like walking forward. It's like the the camera's like not focused on her, so you'd literally have to be like looking at Sophia Bush the entire okay, time. Okay, I was looking at the wrong but, part then. Yeah, but you will say it. It's just like this like very subtle smile. You can tell she's about to laugh at some point. <laughs> oh, I have to go back and but, watch that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. It's cute. But regardless, like Chris is kind of a creep. And then when they go to the beach, she's like, Yeah, I just don't get the beach. It's like a strip club. Some girls are topless, never nude. I don't get the beach either, but for different reasons. (laughs) For me, it's the direct sunlight. No escape from sun. But like, how disgusting. And then he puts cash in in some girl's bathing suit. Uh, Yeah. They're really making him out to be just a sleazy guy. (laughs) Honestly. Which I feel like that's what he's... That's what he's supposed to be, so it's like, ugh, I can kind of defend it, but I feel like there are moments like that where he just, like, smacks her on the ass and puts money in her uh, bikini bottom. They didn't like, need to do that's that. That's not funny. No. <laughs> that's just gross. It just goes too far. It's it's not a character quirk. It's just terrible. It's assault. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Hopefully it was, like, a $100 bill or something now, and that girl, like, Yeah, I hope she like, got to keep it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take this money, like, why not? Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> Just hopefully it's not a single, like, you know, it needs to be like, you know, it's 20 or more, okay? Yeah, it costs way more to smack my ass in a bathing suit than yeah. a dollar. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So as they're walking on the beach, Haley sees their wedding spot. And there was all this construction going on. Mm. And it makes her really sad. But I do want to know how fake the scene looks. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's very obvious, like just, a green screen or a blue screen, whatever it technology so was available bad. at that time. Just so bad. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yeah, because this was never there. It's fake. <laughs> but I do feel for Haley's emotions in that moment because she wants the purple flowers are no longer there, and it was apparently like kind of you know an isolated area where nothing was, you know, no construction. So sad. Yeah, so it was really sad, because you could kind of feel her emotions. Yeah. And Nathan stays quiet, but you can see that he's sad, too. Yeah. The camera does, like, linger on him for a sec. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm. I love Nathan Haley so much. Oh my god, me too! <laughs> I, I feel like, like, Caitlin, I feel like you and I don't talk enough about Nathan and Haley on the podcast, but... Come on, I mean, it's in our, it's in our title for the podcast, goddamn, okay? <laughs> it is. Like, we are daily shippers. Oh, like, is it? By far. You have to be. Everyone is. Because I feel like if you're not, like, what is fucking wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But I felt like I needed to voice that because it wouldn't be real unless we did. So, anyway. Thank you. Yes, I love Neely. I feel for them in this moment, and I think it, it really just kind of symbolizes their struggles right now, you know? Are you saying it's like their relationship is under construction? Yep. That it is. <laughs> so let's uh let's go to the mall where uh chris is stealing money from the water fountain um nathan's playing at the, the arcade <laughs> i feel like i would be in my own personal hell too sitting there so i feel Haley in this moment <laughs> like just get me out of this mall and she's dressed for like prom <laughs> and then just like sitting in the mall she is so well dressed <laughs> Like, I feel so bad. Like, she's, yeah, like you said, she's dressed for prom. And then Nathan has, like, a polo shirt and shorts. I'm like, what is going on here? She has a full-on updo. Yeah. We're we're talking about, like, uh, um, Chris said that Haley was overdressed. Like, like, I feel like Nathan's already underdressed. Come on here. Yeah, I know. Because they are supposed to be going out on a date. But although, although their date really is never specified, like, where they were initially supposed to be going, you would think, like, they would have went to a restaurant with what Haley's wearing, at least. Yeah. uh, Right. Her ball That's a fancy place. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess... Things have changed when they decide to go on a double date. But in which case, whose idea was it to go to the beach? I, it would be Brooke's idea, I think, to go to the beach. That would make the most sense. I thought it was Haley's because her plan was to bring oh, them Zah. to that spot. Zah. Well, how did I completely forget about the scene we just talked about? <laughs> short-term memory. Um, One of my favorite parts about this scene is, like, in the mall, is when Haley yeah. goes over to Chris and just, like, puts her hand out and he gives her the change. And without even looking at him or at the fountain, <laughs> she just tosses it behind her yeah. back into the fountain. Yes! It's so funny. Like, without skipping a beat. <laughs> I know, it was good. And then that's the moment when Chris is like, what'd you wish for? And Haley's like, for Nathan the bludgeon, you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets all creepy and he starts Ugh. putting his arm around her. And at the same moment... Brooke is over by Nathan in the arcade, and she's trying to convince Nathan to, like, you know, be nicer to Haley and yada, yada, yada. And then at that moment, Nathan sees Chris being a creep, (laughs) and then things escalate. But it's nice to see Nathan feel jealous. Like, it's nice to see that. So I think that, like, can give you hope while what Chris did was wrong. Because he was just trying to stir the pot and he was trying. I guess that was his whole yeah. point. 
I don't think he's really doing that because he's interested in Haley. He's just trying to cause drama. Yeah, uh-huh. he was trying to get a reaction yes. out of Chris or out of Nathan, yeah. for sure. But what I want to know is, like, what do the writers, how do the writers want us to look at this interaction, the interaction between Haley and Chris? Because Nathan obviously comes over and says, oh, you better not touch Haley, which I feel like is right because, come on, Haley is getting assaulted. She was actively saying, stop, no, don't do yes. that. Yeah, he's he's coming to her defense. Like, that is, mm-hmm. that was a good thing. But then we see Brooke interpret the situation differently. And she says, like, oh, like, you're giving a lap dance to the, to the enemy. Yeah, that doesn't match up. Yeah, so what, what are we supposed to think? And, and, if, and if that's, like, how it's supposed to be perceived, is Nathan just coming to Haley's defense because, oh, Chris is touching my property, quote unquote, because that's my wife? Right. Right, is he being jealous or is he being, like, protective? Yeah, I would. I hope he's being protective, and yeah, I hope like him hope and Brooke so. just interpreted the situation completely differently. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Haley, she obviously did not ask to be touched by Chris, but I, she went over there to talk to him. I don't know. Maybe Brooke sees that and it's like, why are you even trying to interact with him at all? But they are on a on a double date, so like it's kind of unavoidable not to talk to Chris. And so this moment. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I so I don't agree with what Brooke said, but, like, I love Brooke in this whole <laughs> sequence. <laughs> I just love it. her so much. She she gets all hyped up. She's like, this is, this whole thing has gotten way beyond the point of bizarre. <laughs> and she stops off, and then they all are together again, and she's holding her shopping bags, and she's looking up, and she's <laughs> Yes, yes the way she up. was walking. <laughs> Caitlin, you just said it so perfectly. Yeah, it's the way she shoulders like, moves back. her body. It's like... It's like shoulders back, chin up, like strutting, holding yes. these shopping bags. Um, I also rewound to watch it again because the way she was walking is so ridiculous. What is she doing? I just love it so, so much. Oh, no, that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Sophia Bush is so good at physical comedy, and I don't even know if that was meant to be funny. I'm pretty sure it was, but <laughs> it was just her. so, so good. I love when, like, my love for a character, like, matches my love for the actor. That, like, I love Brooke Davis, and I love Sophia Bush. Agreed. Yes. You know, like, that there's, it's just, like, a perfect match, and I love it so much. It yeah. is. Brooke's humor is just on point this season, and I love it so much, because it kills me. It just absolutely, oh her delivery God. is so good! Yes. But to note, like, why she stormed off, though, it was because Haley confronted her mm-hmm. that she found the letters to Lucas that she never sent. Yeah, yeah. So that's opened up a can of worms. Mm-hmm. Like, what are these letters? We've seen them before, and now other people know about it. Mm-hmm. What does this all mean? But then she stops by sur- suburban filth and she sees her clothes in the window. I know, that's so Yay. special. Can I talk a little bit about the designs of these clothes? So? Please, go for it. For one thing, like, I-, I think they're trying to copy, you know, pay an homage to Juicy. Because you see mm-hmm. more Juicy on the ass of, like, Juicy Couture clothes. And I'm like, for suburban filth, like, literally on the ass of these sweatpants and these shorts, it literally says the word filth. <laughs> 
That's a good point. And, but like, would anybody actively wear something that says filth on their ass? Like, if you do, like, I, I love that for you, but it just, it seems like weird branded for me. It is definitely weird. But the, but the clothes, they literally just say the words, Team Filthy. I feel like that could be cute on a shirt, Team Filthy. And then there's another top that says, Chase Dreams, Chase Boys, Chase Dreamy Boys. Is that what it said? Really? I didn't look closely mm-hmm. at yeah. that. <laughs> yes. That was the most creative one. Other than that, it's like, really? Like, they're, yeah, like- they're not designs <laughs> that like took a lot of creativity. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, there was like one like mesh top and whatnot, but like, what, what does what did that take? Like, you literally just wrote the word "filth" on a mesh top. Like, I don't want to discount Brooks' talent. Come on, but sure, I don't know much about fashion, but it, they were underwhelming to me. <laughs> well, they were just very yes. basic designs. It was just like your standard lounge clothes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Active wear yeah. lounge clothes, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Which, not to say this isn't a good step for her. Like, you know, designing, like, clothing for a big corporation. Like, you go, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it is just, it's kind of funny to think, like, these are pretty underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because I was thinking that, too. But shall we move on to part two of the Brooke Christate? Uh, if we have to. <laughs> yes. So this is where they're sitting on the couch, <laughs> cheering to... <laughs> Brooks clothes designs and sketches doing different like <laughs> cheers for like each one yeah oh my gosh okay I do have to say though like Brooke was so anti Chris for the whole episode and it's hard for me to believe that a girl as strong-willed and like tenacious as Brooke Davis would just kind of forget all of that and change her mind um, on him just because, like, you know, this happy thing happened in her life that she's happy about. You know what I mean? I mean, it, um, it depends. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a personal story here. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Buffy related and related to a one night stand I had a few years ago. Oh my Are God, you ready? So okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I can kind of identify with Brooke in this moment here because, like, I was on this, uh, trip once with, like, you know, with a group of guys, and, you know, guys that I just met for the first time. And um, there was one guy, like, we didn't really, like, get along. There just wasn't really, like, much going between us. There wasn't, like, tension, but in a way, he was, like, he was kind of like a Chris Keller mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, I eventually ended up learning he is a diehard Buffy fan. Nice. So the two of us went to a bar, and then later on when we went back to the hotel... All he said was, <laughs> we were in the elevator, and he said, do you want to come back to my room and listen to the Buffy the Musical soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. That would work and on I me, was too. Like, it would work on me. So we did, and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. So all I'm saying is that, like, this could happen to some people. Yeah. Well, no, I feel it, like, it's a good point. I feel like in that moment, she's kind of vulnerable because like, wow, like she's realizing, oh my gosh, my designs were that good that like this place wanted to make them. And I think Brooke feels validated in that moment and she wants to celebrate. And Chris, you know, Chris is there and he he can have a way with words at times. 
he's being a champion for her. And, and he is being, he is kind of charming in the yeah. context of, like, this particular yeah. scene. He may have been a creep leading up to this, but he is being kind of charming. But, you know, it's, it should be noted, too, that, like, he is taking advantage of her at the end of the day. Yes. And I also noted that because there's this moment where she's, like, drunkenly, like, Lucas is the one for me. And his response mm. is, like, you need to drink more. I think it's beer. Mm. I think he's like, have more beer. And then mm. she tells him to leave and he doesn't. Yeah. Something that also may be an unpopular opinion that I wrote is. Okay. So Nathan and Haley were hanging out on the porch mm-hmm. with the door wide fucking open. And I'm sorry, like, there are bugs. <laughs> bugs are going to go inside. I was yes. disturbed by it the whole time. Close your fucking door. That's what a screen door is for. But that's not yeah. the unpopular opinion, I think. <laughs> that's not like, wow, that is so that? controversial, Lisa. How dare you say that? No, no. The, I, I kind of was mad when Haley was like, uh, oh, like, do you want, will you come with me to the third place that I wanted to take you tonight? And left drunk Brooke in there with Chris, who they know is a creep. Mm. When... Brooke didn't want to go on the date. Haley is the one who made her go on the date. I felt like it was not cool of Haley to then leave with Nathan and leave drunk Brooke alone with Chris. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to think that maybe Haley, like, checked in with Brooke and she was like, hey, like... I would hope. Are you okay? I like that. I like that thought. I'm I'm gonna believe that, too. Do you want to, like, you know, we are going to go off. Are you okay? Yeah, like, do you want to come with us? Do you want me to call Peyton? Something like that. Even if Brooke didn't actually come with them, it's just an excuse to, like, get Chris out of there. Yeah, I like to think that, too. I, yeah, I I really just want to believe that Haley, because I feel like Haley would check on Brooke before she left. Yeah. But at the same time, Haley was really, really wrapped up in Nathan. And, like, trying to fix things. And... She had, a, like, a one-track mind, too, so she was distracted. I don't know. But women would check in on each other. I mean, I feel yeah. like this is just, like, one of the things of having a mostly male writer's room, let's be honest here. Yep. Like, I feel like men would not be thinking from that perspective. No, no. Women will always check in on each other. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially when a creepy guy like Chris Keller is around. I would never leave someone by themselves like that, No. No. Exactly. So yeah, even if Haley is like hyperfixated on Nathan, I feel like she would have like cared enough about yeah. Brooke to be like, "Hey, like you good girl." All right. I think the three of us agree that we do believe that Haley James Scott is a good enough friend, and she did check on her. Yes. I feel better cool. already. And this was an <laughs> off-screen scene. That we yes. just didn't say. <laughs> this is our headcanon that we're gonna lead into, and mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. Thank you. Um. But let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the Haley and Nathan on the balcony. So I want to point out one particular line here. So they're reminiscent about the meteor shower that they watched there. Yeah, 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 that's cute. But Nathan also says that him and Haley made love there in the rain. And I'm like, did they? (laughs) Like, outside? That's what was implied. Also, I don't think teenagers have any business using the the phrase made love. <laughs> I will I die on this that. hill. And I say the same thing on my podcast when the teenagers on Roswell say the same shit. I hate it so much. 
does anybody like uh, under the age of 50 have an excuse to use no. term? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, it's really corny. Yeah. I just don't like the term in general. <laughs> I feel you, yes. <laughs> but Sam, yeah, like, they do they make love, like, outside on the balcony? Because I'm like, damn, yes, like, yeah. what is this euphoria? <laughs> And, and it was so funny, too, because, like, um, I just subscribed to HBO Max. I've been watching this on HBO Max. And all, I'm thinking of, like, the other shows, like Euphoria, like Pretty Little Liars, uh-huh. like all the shows that, like, aren't afraid to go there with the sex right. sexual concept. And I'm like, whoa, like, I don't remember this happened on the show. And I remembered, like, oh, no, this was the WB. This did not air on HBO Max originally. No. Right. They, like, kissed in the rain and then were now supposed to believe that it escalated, I guess. Uh-huh. Have you ever actually watched Euphoria, Jeremy? I have not, actually, okay. no, but I know enough about it. I have, <laughs> and that is not a teen drama. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I can say what they want, but that is not a teen drama. No, teens should not be watching that show. That is not made for teens. It is. It may be about Mm-mm. teens, but it's... Would you say it's more for people who, like, Ooh. who are older and, like, you know, this, this is my teen yes. life back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's for an adult audience. I mean, hands down. It's not something that's teaching aspire for an to. adult audience, but also isn't depicting our teen life. Right. No, it is. Um, what's the word for it? Depraved. <laughs> <laughs> that's one word for it. Teen dramas are definitely different in many ways nowadays, but I, I can kind of see it a little bit because, like, I. Like, I, like, as a teen, like, I knew some teens who, like, did things, like, experiment with drugs, like, experiment with, like, like, risky sex and stuff like that. So I feel like it may not match my experience 100%, but it could match. This shit takes it to a whole different level. I'm sorry. I've never seen it. So, like, who knows? Maybe I'll watch it and be like, wow, okay, you're right. I mean, I, like, partied (laughs) a lot in high school. I did drugs and drank in high school. I, yeah, the extent to which the kids on that show take it is beyond what anyone i knew was doing okay so it's, you think it's like a little bit more uh a little bit more exaggerated but yeah oh very but that keep in mind too like let's watch shows like one tree hill like we also weren't getting married at 17 we weren't having our own <laughs> apartments at 17 <laughs> no. so, like, has there ever been a teen show that was actually like a realistic depiction <laughs> no <laughs> probably not i mean maybe dawson's I'd say my so-called life. That would be my vote for mm. a realistic depiction. Caitlin, you should still watch my so-called life so you can see Haley's mom play a very different Yeah, character. you've talked about that. I just don't want to watch a season of a show and like then feel like I want to see more and it's not there. But if you know that that's all there is, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, it's so, so good, though. Like, I like that show is an accurate portrayal of teen life, I will say. It does get a lot of things right. Like, it, it's aged very, very well, too. Like, it's a show from the early 90s, and you would think, like, some parts wouldn't age well, but, like, it was ahead of its time in so many ways. Interesting. Is it a cliffhanger so, ending? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, it's, yeah. I can't! The, the ending is quite frustrating, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that to myself. You can read interviews and whatnot, though, that tell you, like, hey, like, this, uh, you know, this is what would have happened if we got another season, but you'll never get to see it, unfortunately. That is very sad. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that was a tangent and a half, mm-hmm. and I loved it. <laughs> and I'm keeping it all in. <laughs> we love tangents here at Always and Forever. <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. Yeah. So Nathan and Haley, they end up uh, going to the 
rooftop of Karen's cafe, and Haley wants to show Nathan the wish that she made, the prediction for the school year that she made a few episodes before, and Nathan was like, no, like, you know, don't you want the wish to come true? And then Haley's like, no, please, let me show you. And then when she tries to show him, Nathan's like, do you have a pen? He's like, I'm going to make a prediction of my own. And I love it. And then, to me, the most important part of this scene is when she's like, but how do you know I'm not going to look? And he's like, I guess I'll have to trust you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. my heart squealed. I know. It's like, he's starting to, like, be ready to start trusting her again. I just got shells as you said that. <laughs> I just <laughs> I love, love these two. I know, yes. With their relationship right now, everything, it, it all has to do with trust. Trusting each other. Because Nathan lost that trust when she left. So it's like building that back. And I really love um, what Nathan said to Haley. He said, well, she said something about, I think, the flowers not being at their uh, wedding site at the beach. Are you talking about a scene that's in the coda? Because that's going to be in the coda. Oh, I can't say it now. <laughs> Is it the coda? Yeah, it's in the coda. Crap. All right. Tell you what, you can be Nathan. All right. <laughs> we'll just assign you as Nathan right. right there. That works. Anywho, um, shall we get into this uh, lovely coda, though? Are we ready? I'm okay. ready. So, Elise, as, as we told you, we're doing dramatic read-ins, and as we get to each scene, we will ask you which character you want to be. But except uh, Caitlin already claimed Nathan for one scene, so. <laughs> I want to be Rachel. <laughs> okay, well, all right, but first up, uh, okay, I guess I should say the song that plays for Nakoda is Tender by Feeder. I was so afraid I was going to get that wrong. I was going to say Feeder by Tender. <laughs> but it's Tender by Feeder. But it starts off at Karen's Cafe rooftop, and as we just said, Nathan and Haley stick a piece of paper with Nathan's prediction in the tin. And then we go to Rachel's car outside Brooke's house. And, Aliza, you want to be Rachel? Um, do, do you want to be Lucas or the stage directions, Caitlin? I'll just be the stage directions. Okay. Brooke's house. Honestly, Lucas, have I taught you nothing? The end of the night drunken booty call is the last act of a desperate boy. It's not a booty call. It's the opposite of that. Why? Because she's the one? Do you realize how screwed up that logic is? I made the shot. So you made a lucky shot. Do you really think there's only one person in this entire planet that's right for you? I do. Okay, what about Peyton? I hear you once had the same feelings for her. Maybe she's the one. Lucas looks away. Or, being that we're still in high school, maybe you haven't met the one. But I have... And she's in that apartment. He smiles and opens the door, exiting. Rachel looks ahead, exas- What? Exasperatedly. <laughs> sorry. That's what's in the script. I'm sorry, <laughs> that said trip me up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I want to put an easier pronounced word. Rachel looks ahead, exasperatedly. Anyway, um, then we go to the river court. Junk and Skills are basically the same character, so... <laughs> or not Junk and Skills. Junk and Fergie are basically the same character, so whoever wants to be those characters can read for both. Um, who do you want to be, Eliza? Uh, I'll be the... I'll be Skills. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay, I'll be Junk and Fergie, because I feel like that sounds like fun to do. Go for it. Okay. Hey, look who it is! How's your date with Bevan? 
Hey, you guys ever seen a movie called The Notebook? <laughs> she notebooked you? <laughs> Junk starts to laugh and Fergie joins in. Skills frowns at the pair. Do you want to read this next scene, Caitlin? Because I feel like you've been doing a lot of stage <laughs> Sure. So now we're in Bevan's living room. Bevan is talking on the phone. He was really sweet. I totally notebooked him. Then we get to the billboard. It's a close-up of Dan's half-mustache face. The camera zooms out to show that Karen and Zeb uncovered the poster underneath. The title now reads, Dan Scott for erectile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. All right, now we are on Karen's Cafe Rooftop. Karen's Cafe Rooftop. I swear I can say words. And you said you want to be Nathan, right, Caitlin? Yeah, I'll be Nathan. Do you want to be Haley, Eliza? I can read the stage directions. Okay. Haley replaces the brick with the box now inside again. She's sad as she walks back to Nathan. Thanks for tonight. So, I know it's a little out of the way. Um, actually, I promised Lucas that I would meet him afterwards so we could talk about how the dates went and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll just, uh, take off. Okay. Listen, Haley, don't be worried about the beach or our wedding spot. I know, Nathan. I'm sorry. I just hate that it's all gone. You know, the trees and those little purple flowers and... Haley shakes her head some more. Nathan walks up to her and takes her hands. Here. He puts a little purple wildflower on her open palm. Haley looks at it in wonder. The roots are still there. She looks up at him. It just takes time. Don't say I never gave you anything. Haley smiles tearfully and puts her arms around his neck, hugging him. He hugs her back, and she holds on to the flower tightly. The camera zooms out to a bird's-eye view of the couple before panning up to the skyline. All right, Caitlin, let's freak out about this Oh scene. my gosh! <laughs> I have chills just reading through this. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a good scene. Like I, like, I was on the brink of tears just, like, watching it. Like, each of the three times I watched it before this episode, I was just like, I just love these two so much. It's so nice because I feel like you're getting, we're getting Nathan back, you know? And he's like admitting that literally like the roots are still there. Like the roots of our relationship still exist. It's just we have to work to, I'm going to continue this metaphor, (laughs) work to nurture them back. (laughs) Back to health, basically. So I don't know. It was a really sweet scene and I'm glad that he grabbed one of those purple flowers for her. Yes. Oh, and to think that he did that secretly off camera, mm-hmm. too. Like, he saw a flower and was just like, well, let me pick that. But, like, no way has he been carrying that around all day, and it's not <laughs> wilted. I know, yeah. We're just gonna <laughs> Sorry pretend. to ruin the magic, but I call BS. Okay, wait. Okay, now I have, like, a question. So we know that these dates took place around, like, 8 o'clock, right? Because that's when Haley says to Nathan, Oh, he like, says, P- yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pick me up at 8. So... And, and I looked into this, actually. Like, sunset in North Carolina during this period of time was at, like, 8.15. So I'm like, did they just, like, get to the beach in the daylight within those that span of 15 minutes that quickly while the sun was still up? And there were construction vehicles at 8.15 <laughs> right. at night at on the beach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did they say 8 o'clock? They should have just said earlier. Eight is they could have just said, like, six eight. or something. Like, yeah. Because also, say he arrived at eight. Well, yeah. 
Brooke wasn't ready to leave. No. Yet. There was like that well, whole conversation, and they though. had to wait for her to take her hair down. <laughs> yeah. Straighten her hair. Because she's a queen, you know? No, she like obviously straightened it. <laughs> yeah, the timing doesn't really make sense. As we always say, time has no meaning. <laughs> we have a jingle for it on my podcast because time makes even less sense in Roswell. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I've. I've only seen season one of Roswell, and I keep meaning to like continue. It's just like a show that's like on my back yeah. burner. But it'll it's not I going do. anywhere. It'll be there. <laughs> okay, you're ready for it. <laughs> but I do have every intention of like catching up and like try to listen to it past the hot sauce in real time. But anyway, we are now in Brooke and Haley's apartment. Um, I will read the stage directions for this one. Um, who wants to read Lucas's one line? <laughs> I can. Elisa Unless can. you want to. Okay. You're our guest. <laughs> sure. All right. Lucas lets himself into Brooke and Haley's apartment. He closes the door and looks around the dark apartment. A few lamps and wall lights are on. He opens her bedroom door and looks at her sleeping form. Brooke? She turns around, wide awake and panicked. Lucas walks further into the room with a shy smile. Suddenly, Chris rises from beside her and looks at Lucas cockily. Lucas' smile falls, and betrayal shines brightly from his eyes. Chris smirks, and Brooke's face is beyond mortified. Cut to Lucas' face as he inches back. Hurts. Ugh. Cliffhanger! Oh my. If anyone were ever to ask me, like, what does it mean for somebody's face to be punchable? (laughs) It's Chris Keller's face in this scene. (laughs) It's the way he smirks over her. Mm, disgusting. Which opens up a whole can of worms for us. Like, oh, we, we can actually talk about this in the proper episode now, Caitlin, because I know we talked about this in the spoiler segments before. Um, I kind of hate this direction now because I feel like what the writers want us to think is that, oh, look, Brooke slept with Chris Keller. That is way worse because she slept with a guy. Whereas, like, Lucas never slept with Bayen. And it just seems like a... Why? The two of them are not comparable at all. I know, because clearly Lucas had feelings for Peyton. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about sex. You know? Yeah, like, Brooke and Chris just slept together. Like, that's, you know, that's it. Like, it's just sex. We can move on from it, you know? Like, it's okay for, like, Chris, for Lucas to feel, like, insecure about it and whatnot, but I just don't like that there's, like, a comparison or a double standard there that they're trying to put on us. Yeah, I know. I agree. And, like, do we really think that Brooke's going to actually like Chris Keller? But there'll be plenty of time to talk about that in the future episodes. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about our favorite things. Lisa, you go first. Tell us your favorite quote. Um, You know, it's hard to pick, but there is one that I thought was funny early on when um, they first are at school and uh, Brooke is, like, walks up all pissed that like Rachel and Peyton are talking to each other and then Rachel is like calls them over possessive best friends with weird lesbian energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Like, I thought that whole interaction we should was so all be funny. so lucky to have a friend like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love how she says Ed Haley. <laughs> the delivery of Ed Haley I thought was so funny. <laughs> oh so good. What was your favorite Caitlin? I love what Nathan said to Haley in the coda. Hmm. The roots are still there. It just takes time. Don't say I never gave you anything. Yes, I like know, because we get that call back. <laughs> Don't say I never gave you anything also. Yep. What about you, Jeremy? 
It was that one. Same one? Yeah, same one. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Favorite, my favorite musical moment is the coda. So there weren't many songs in this episode at all. Because I made the playlist and there's only like five songs. So there wasn't much to choose from. <laughs> the coda is, I mean, it's my favorite, but it, it's okay. It's not like my favorite coda of all time, but it it's good. Oh, I remember, I remember the song like vividly the whole like turn over everything some can heal us again and then when you see chris like you know rise up out of the bed like it just gives you i remember watching this in real time and getting chills during that moment yeah it's good it fits the moment um but there weren't a lot of options in this episode (laughs) that's all i'm saying (laughs) what about you aliza um i said that again i picked like kind of a silly one um the musical cue used a few times in the dream sequence in the beginning. That like each time someone wakes up and you're like, oh, okay, it was just Lucas's dream, whatever. And then the music cue picks up again. It's like, oh, Chris <laughs> Keller's there. And then like Haley yes. wakes up. It's like, oh, that's weird. And then she goes and gets into into Brooke's bed and the music cue picks up again. That each time you think <laughs> that the dream is over. It's really the music mm-hmm. cue that like lets you know that like nope we're not done yet. That's actually that's actually a real song because I was watching this with subtitles and it's oh, yeah. lifting the veil the from the, the braille by the dissociatives. Yeah, thanks, oh, Gail. Nice. <laughs> Does it have like lyrics or anything? I didn't look into I, it. I like, think it was know, just the cue that they were using in in that scene. I think was just instrumental. I didn't listen to the whole okay. song. So it could have lyrics, oh, I'm not God. sure. But I know the, op- the beginning of the song, at least, that I listened to is what was in the beginning of the episode. Okay, so listeners, we do not know at this moment, but listen to our Spotify playlist, where hopefully the song is available on Spotify. Yes, it is. The one that Caitlin it is. will... I already made the sure. playlist, okay. so... <laughs> Save the Caitlin. Caitlin got how she hooked up, okay? <laughs> anyway, what is, uh, what is everyone's rating? Lisa, would you like to go first? Yeah, am I allowed to do decimals? Oh, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy will kill you. I will not kill. I will give you a scold. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We can come back to you. Caitlin, you can go first. Yeah, I need need to to go last. Or at least second. (laughs) So I give it four out of five purple wildflowers. Damn it. We're going to use the same score and stuff. You can. Yes, it was. You can. That's fine. It just shows that you were insane. I like this episode a lot. I think it's a good follow-up from the previous episode. And I think all of the different story... I like. I love the pairing of the characters because we get such different storylines. Like the Peyton and Math thing was unexpected. And then we get all of the drama from Nathan and Haley and Brooke and Chris. And then I really love Rachel and Lucas's stories too. So overall, I really enjoyed it. It doesn't get the five, but it's still a really good episode. What about you, Jeremy? Well, in uh, in contrast, um, this episode has some problematic moments, but I can't under like underscore the joy that I feel every time I get to this episode of my rewatch, which is why I give it five out of five roots on the beach of my teen wedding. Oh, so we all have like the same this- kind of <laughs> yeah, except- system that's cute. <laughs> Except that I just came up with a new one in my head <laughs> because you took what is that? The, Tell us. the little the little purple wildflowers is what I was gonna do, but instead I'm gonna give this. I think I am gonna round up and say five out of five uh, little old men in go karts. 
Why did, why did you hesitate, though? You were going to give it a half score. Yeah, what was like, the decimal you, you were going to give it? Just out of curiosity. I think I was going to do a 0. 0.5. Um, I love this episode so much. There are just certain, like, the casual homophobia thrown in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, like, fatphobic comment where uh, Karen said something about, like, hating to stare at Dan's fat face. Oh. Um, oh. And just, you know, the, like, assault being kind of, like, a joke. Or, like, a yeah. just, oh, that's just, that's Chris Keller, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, right, there yeah. were some problematic things that I didn't love, but the episode overall is so fucking good. Exactly. So, it got the five from me. That's yeah. a lot of fun. That's what I said, so it's, you know, th- there are some problems, which you just outlined, but... I feel so much joy every time I get to this episode. It is just, it's very entertaining. I love, like, all the characters paired together. And it's just so much fun. And I think it's a turning point, I think, for the season in many Mm. ways. And that's why I don't really agree with the drama queen saying that this was, like, a spec script. I feel like the turning points come at the ends more so than, like, everything in, like, the middle. All the middle stuff, I feel like, was spec script. I feel like mm. everything in Dakota, for example, I feel like that's the turning point. Yeah. I guess you're right. You know. Because, it, like, it and moves me, the story what... along. What were you saying, Aliza? Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that, to me, the coda is what bumped it up to a five yeah. for me. Yeah. Is because mm. any episode where Nathan and Haley have, where their love shines through is going to, like pull me in i know, you know? Yeah. yep always and forever they're one of my absolute favorite like fictional couples of of any piece of fiction who doesn't love them together i love I mean, them so on. much <laughs> yeah they're great but Aliza, thank you so so much for joining us um will you be joining us for the spoiler segments i would love to join you until then uh where can people find you and your podcast give us your plugs so uh I am Aliza Ora. I'm Aliza Bell, A-L-I-Z-A-B-E-L on Instagram. And uh, I am one of three hosts of a podcast called Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast about the 90s teen alien drama Roswell from the WB. And you can find us at Roswell Hot Sauce on pretty much all social media platforms. Hell yeah. And you should check them out because they're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We had a lot of fun talking. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was such a blast. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. And I'm Caitlin Ellenich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. 
Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing ya. ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So there was one thread that I said, like, oh, we'll talk about that in the spoiler segment. I forget what it was. It was the Owen being in the backseat. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And how it's like a double standard. Like, if you were to do it in the reverse, like, Brooke was naked in the backseat, so was Rachel. But then if you have the guy be naked in the backseat... It's creepy. it's creepy, and that's exactly what's expressed in the scene, too. Owen's naked in the backseat, and then he's like, oh, come on, you did it before, and the Brooke's like, yeah, I'm a girl, and it's sexy when I do it. You're a big, hairy dude, and it's like, no, it's it's pretty bad either gender, either way. you know? Yeah, yeah. For any gender. I mean, you could get yourself on a sex offender list for that. <laughs> yeah, regardless of your gender, yeah. you know? You really could. So yeah, that's what I was alluded to earlier. So we just want to generally talk about the future of our couples on the show. Brucus, <laughs> Nelly, all the fun stuff. So I will say this season, and I alluded to it earlier, but I feel like Brooke spends the entire season being so insecure mm. about her relationship with Lucas. And like, because I've recently binged through all of season three, and it's, and Caitlin, I believe you said this in a previous episode, it's really hard to enjoy the two of them together. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the spoiler segment of uh, 301. It's very difficult because Brooke is always, like, constantly nervous about them breaking up. So you never can enjoy, like, what their relationship would actually be like without all of those, uh, without all of that anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame because they really never got the chance that they deserved. It could have been done a lot better, She's so anxious about them not working out that, like, she's never in the moment. Yeah. And I think hearing you say that, it is kind of coming back to me that, like, the the effect that the relationship has on her, I hate to watch. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, we love Brooke. She is confident and spunky and, like, you know, the, the insecurity is not her and it, I hate to see it. I know. Yeah, she deserves better. Yeah. You see that. And I feel like uh, you brought up a good point by saying, like, you know, like, Brooke, like, we we love her. And I feel like at the end of the day, like, at least I can speak for myself, like, I always just want Brooke to be happy. And I feel like that's the reason why I was such a hardcore Brooke shipper back in the day. Because I just didn't want to see Brooke sad. But I feel like now that I'm older, I've realized that, like, hey, Brooke deserves much better. Yeah, and it's like, can you even be happy when you have that much anxiety? I don't think you can. So, Brooke, yeah, deserves to be in a relationship where she's not, like, constantly freaking out, like, that it's not going to work out, you know? And that's what we want to see for her character. (laughs) That's what the audience wants to see. That's what Brooke deserves. Yeah, and this relationship, like, really fucks her up for years. Like, this is the reason why she can't trust Julian later on, and, like... Season six and seven. You know, obviously this this whole thing with Lucas had such a huge impact on her, and it's just really, really tragic to say. And I don't like it. So older me thinks Brooke deserves better. So at the end of the day, I am team Brooke. I'm not saying I'm team Leighton yet, yeah. but we shall say. <laughs> but 
I've slowly evolved out of Team Brucus. Yeah, that was an unexpected t- turn of events, really. When you yeah, told me that at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'd like to keep you on your toes. But Nailey, on the other hand, is an absolute joy for the rest of the series, basically. I mean, there are some, yes. there are definitely some bumps in the road. But overall, they're steady. They're the heart of the show. And they're finally, like, in this episode, they're just starting to come back together. And I, I can't wait until, like... It's fully, they're fully two episodes, back. Two episodes from now, two episodes from now, they get back together, and it yep. is so great. I am so excited. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> but anyway, um, before we move on, though, before we wrap things up, Elisa, is there anything, um, any, like, spoiler that you want to talk about that's, like, you're itching at where you're like, oh, I just want to talk about this because I have a platform and I am a guest on Always and Forever? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I just like had strong feelings about the time jump when it happened. Oh, tell us. I don't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, just time jumps in general. I feel like there's so much development that happens that you miss. And then we're all just supposed to like pretend like, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's FOMO. Ultimately, that's <laughs> what it boils down to is like, wait, there were years of their lives and I didn't get to see it. <laughs> Not okay with that. You get to see it in flashbacks. It's true, but <laughs> no, time jumps, I always feel like I just... Uh, you feel cheated. <laughs> cheated and like discombobulated or like it it messes me up. Yeah, and I think One Tree Hill, I feel like, was the first show that really, like, popularized yeah. the time jump. Oh, totally. Like, it wasn't other shows previously, but I think One Tree Hill was the first show to, like, really make this it a thing. This is the big one. And then everybody did it. Like, I think Desperate Housewives did it, like, two Absolutely. years later, and a bunch of other shows I was gonna it. say that about Desperate Housewives. <laughs> I think it was, like, a year or two later, yeah. Yeah, so One Tree Hill really got us, like, They're the ones who did it. That. And it really was, like, they were like, okay, we can't have them be, like, teenagers anymore. Yeah. And, like, they weren't anymore at that point, but they, like, didn't know how to get them to be adults, that they just kind of made this, like, very manufactured, I don't know, they just, like, faked it. Oh, these are some strong opinions. I told you. <laughs> I, I like the time it. jump, personally. <laughs> and that I, is I I, fair and valid <laughs> as well. I like it. I don't think like the you know the seasons after the time jump are as strong as no, the first four seasons, but I still really love it. And I understand why they did that. Why they did the time jump at the end of the day? Because just think about it. Like in this at that point in like the mid two thousands shows that where the high school kids went to college. The college seasons usually aren't that good uh-huh. for the most part, and that's why they try to like let's just skip the college years entirely. Yeah. And. Let's have it be. I mean, if you think about shows in general, the first half of the seasons are usually better than the the latter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, with time, with yeah. or without time jumps, it's just yeah. the nature of what it is. It also definitely helped out for child actor logistics. Right, they didn't have to have like a baby; they could have like a kid who like actually could talk and like. <laughs> yeah, like work more than two hours at a time, probably. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, geez. that's true. I like that we didn't have to see Nathan Haley raise a baby. Yeah, babies so, are boring. 
Yeah. The babies are just props on TV shows at the end of the day. And I really like the way they use Jamie as like a fully formed character. Yeah. He actually is part of the show. He's not just a plot device. Right. Like he has thoughts and feelings. He is a character. He is a character. <laughs> so but yeah, but I'm sorry you don't uh, like the time jump. So I guess like when we get to the uh, time jump in uh, on this podcast, you'll be like, oh, gosh, this was the worst day since yesterday, which <laughs> is the title of the next episode ooh, that we will be discussing. <laughs> well done. Well done. Thank you. That's one of my better ones. It is. <laughs> which is season three, episode eight. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Lucas worries that his meds are making him a drag on the team. Brooke worries that her tryst with Chris ruined her chances with Lucas. Karen worries that she'll lose the mayor's race until Math shows up with a surprise. We'll be we'll be seeing, we'll be seeing ya. ya. That, was, that was okay. It was decent. It was right? decent. Um, yeah. I felt like I went a little too fast. <laughs> So then I tried to slow down to match you guys. It was a little we'll stressful. Be, we'll, we'll get this right one day. I'm sorry. I'm next sorry time, next stressed. time. <laughs> yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. Yes. So Thank you for being here.